Welcome to the Send Parenting Podcast. I'm your neurodiverse host, Dr. Olivia Kessel. And more importantly, I'm mother to my wonderfully neurodivergent daughter, Alexandra, who really inspired this podcast. As a veteran in navigating the world of neurodiversity in a UK education system, I've uncovered a wealth of misinformation alongside many answers and solutions that were never taught to me in medical school or in any of the parenting handbooks. Each week on this podcast, I will be bringing the experts to your ears to empower you on your parenting crusade. In this episode, I will be joined by my co-host, Tamsin, who's done a lot of bite-sized summaries with us to round out the holiday season. This time, we're going to revisit episode 26 with Dr. Marion. This episode is about parenting advice, trusting your own instincts, and containing your child's emotional dysregulation alongside your own. A really good summary of a really great episode. Welcome back, Tamsin. I can't believe we're co-hosting our fourth bite-sized episode of the Send Parenting Podcast. Um, I think I'll start our journey off today because it was it was really interesting, actually, interviewing Dr. Marianne, um, who has the podcast, How Not to Screw Up Your Kids, because in general, I have found parenting advice to not only be useless, but also to be traumatic when I've tried to implement with my daughter, any of the parenting advice, you know, starting from when she was a wee little baby and it's, you know, leave her to cry in her cot. A, I couldn't do it. And B, it didn't work, you know? So, um, <laughs> set up to fail. yeah. Yeah. And, and, and feel like you're a failure because yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's working for everyone else, but you know, no, your child's going to wake up every two hours until she's 12, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I think what's really interesting, and I've got one child with uh, neurodiverse and one without, um, there's lots of secrecy around your neurotypical children and families of these amazing, happy lives. But actually, there's a real honesty about when you have a, a child with neurodiversity, because actually, does they don't fit the box and it's complicated. Yeah, exactly. So I was, you know, I started listening to her podcast and I was like, wow. A lot of her advice makes sense, not just for like, you know, a general kind of population kind of um, approach, but really, you know, a specific. And, you know, I found out recently, she did a podcast about two weeks ago, that her daughter has been diagnosed in university with autism and ADHD. And she never wanted to get that diagnosis for her daughter because she didn't want to label her or have a self-professing self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, but I imagine she had to parent differently. And so her, she, you could, cause you, that comes through in her parenting advice. So, yeah. um, that kind of answered some questions for me. And I really loved how she said, there is no one size fits all approach, even within your family, your different children are going to need different solutions. And it's up to you as their parent to kind of figure out what works and trust your gut in terms of what those solutions are and what works and doesn't work. That there's this, um, you know, there isn't a one size fits all, which was, uh, you know, a relief actually. I remember having a family in my class many years ago and I still think about her and I still think it was such a brave decision. She had three children and she educated them all in really different environments. So her eldest she was a boy and she said he needed a firm approach, she felt. So he went to an all-boys boarding school. She had a daughter who went to um, a local private school that was quite creative and, and the arts-based. And then her youngest, she sent to local primary school. 
And I said, that's really brave. And she said, not brave. I just met their needs. Um, and I really admired that. I really admired that, again, courage of her convictions, because one size doesn't fit all. And actually, if you parent in the way your child needs, you're going to make some really varied choices. Yeah. And it's having the confidence to do so because there is no like manual to being a good, a good mother. We all try and be a good mother. And then we, you know, maybe rely on how we've been raised, which often is not the right way to go or the parenting handbooks, but it's having that confidence and that belief in yourself as a mother yeah. that, you know, you know, you can, you can constantly be on that journey to helping your child along the way, you know, and that you are a really integral part in making the right decisions, not a specialist. Yeah. And I think that's what her podcast basically, it it was, it felt very reassuring. Yes. Yeah. That's a great word. Felt reassuring and felt uh, safe. You know, you feel like Mm -hmm. you could, I think being able to speak openly about as a parent, what you find difficult, it's hard to find people you feel safe enough with that don't say, well, what you want to do is this, you know, where she's like, if it works, do it. If it's not broke, don't fix it, you know? So I think it was a, it was a very reassuring and and actually the, uh, a quote I wrote down, not a quote saying, as I use, (laughs) I felt she was the calm in the storm. Yeah. Um, and for lots of us, our lives feel like the storm and she was the calm. So uh, I think she was, you know, lots of what she said, we kind of know inherently she just gives you permission to, to believe it. Yeah. And I, I also really loved about her focusing on how important your self-care is. And she used that bucket analogy and, and filling up the bucket. And, you know, when you reach that you know, where one more drop causes it to overflow and what you can do to make sure that your bucket is okay. And I've tried to, to use it with my daughter actually, but there's also a bucket with, um, uh, one of the things that she does. So she doesn't like the bucket, but we (laughs) used a different analogy, but basically (laughs) that if you're not in a good place, there's no way that you can deal with things that come into your life. So if you don't have a good night's sleep, if you haven't found a way to release some of that pressure, for me, it's exercise, uh, for her, it might be jumping on the, the trampoline that then little things can can cause tidal waves. And yeah. I think, you know, that has been really helpful to me. And also when you are in those situations where you haven't had sleep, you know, you, your work is stressful and you know that you're there and then they have a meltdown that I can talk to my own head and say, wait, stop, Olivia. You really need to put your effort in here because you're not going to be responding the way that you need to because of yeah. Your bucket is full. And that's really helped me, I think, as a parent. Really helpful. And I think I think also her, um, she spoke about reframing self-care is not necessarily about that spa day that you want, which you yeah. really want. It's just about um, sometimes as simple as a narrative inside your head, you know. Yeah, and, and it's being kind. It needs like, to be every day. It needs yeah. to be every day. I've got a friend who during lockdown said she just made like a ritual from washing her hands. So she bought a really beautiful soap that smelled amazing. And she said, I used to spend a really long time washing my hands and finding those pressure points that, that calm you down. So it's, it's, it was, I was thinking, you know, often I think there's not time for self care or it, it can feel for me personally, I don't want it to, but it can feel selfish sometimes. And I think, actually, I've been working, I want to be there for them, but I need a minute. 
Whereas actually she she made me realise that self-care is all day, every day, through forgiving yourself, being kind to yourself, not beating yourself up, that internal narrative, that, that was massive for me too. Yeah, because it it, uh, it it gives you the bandwidth to be a better parent. And yeah. for me, because like you, like I don't want to be selfish or, or stuff like that, but reframing it in my mind that actually this is going to benefit my daughter because I'm going to be a better parent by taking the time to do this, yeah. then that makes it more acceptable for yeah. some weird and, reason. And, and actually what made it even more acceptable was when she said reframe self-care to become childcare. Yes. Because and that was that was huge because I think um, I remember things in that way, quotes, snapshots, one-liners, but self-care is childcare because you can't do one without the other. Um, so I think that was really significant. I think those those are my big my my big points that I took away from her, and and I and I still love listening to her podcast. So uh, you know, I I enjoy her advice. <laughs> yeah. So another thing I took away was. Um, containing their emotion, being a vessel, holding it rather than absorbing it, you know. So as they get more and more worked up, you know, historically I might have got more and more worked up trying to fix it. So it's just like you say, it goes back to self-regulation and just being able to hold their emotion and not trying to pacify it. So, yes, you can fix it with food or technology or actually what is that lesson teaching them? but just to allow that to play out. So in, in my house, I can actually time it. Um, it's 20 minutes. So a, a, a display of emotion, a meltdown, whatever you want to call it, I can literally time it these days, 20 minutes. So I just stop what I'm doing and I think, right, 20 minutes and I'm not going to fix it. I'm just going to be very present. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to acknowledge it um, and, and not pacify it because actually the message I want to send is it's okay to feel those feelings. It's okay to feel those emotions and it's okay to let them pass. So yeah, it, I took away that it, emotion being the vessel really for their emotion. And that it's so, that was actually really powerful for me as well, because my daughter has sometimes really emotional anxiety ridden behavior around bedtime. And normally I would try and talk her through it, use a lot of words, try and rationalize with her. And instead, using those techniques of being that vessel and just being there with it, you know, hearing it, loving her, not saying anything. And afterwards, she she goes to me, mommy, you did really well there. (laughs) I guess I was doing really badly before. Yeah. Well, and, and it's I actually did a bit of reading afterwards on, um, and you're far more uh, medically minded than me, but it was it was kind of an image of the brain, a triangle, but reversed. So it was standing on its point, and that actually that rep, with with that reptilian part of our brain being at the front, and actually the work it has to go through to move to the cortex higher where we can start making sense and actually when they're in there there's absolutely no point trying to rationalize for any of us when someone says calm down worst thing you could possibly say to somebody that's not in a good place so it made me think <laughs> lots about that about how the brain works how that information is filtered and actually that and, and in my when I'm teaching we talk about the behavioral curve um and actually, they have to kind of go over the over the curve to come down the other side. And by us pacifying, they're just teetering then all the time in between um, 
letting the emotion completely out and it building. So, so that I think was really important. I completely agree. And, and, and it is, um, it's valuable for, for me too, when I lose it, do you know what I mean? Just yeah. to step away and yeah. lose it and then come back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it does go back to a really interesting conversation with my son where, um, I struggled and do struggle with him moving from being a child to a young man. And he said to me, you're patronising. I find you patronising and sarcastic. So we went through this whole period of time where I was saying, I'm not, I'm not patronising and sarcastic. I'm trying to be understanding. Anyway, we, we had some help through somebody else. And, and this guy said, look, there's no point you keep telling your mum she's those things and your mum keeps saying she's not. Tell her when she is being. And so over the next fortnight, every time um, he felt I was being patronising or sarcastic, he'd say, you're doing it, you're doing it now. That's that's what you're doing. And then when we came together to talk about it, I said, do you know, those times, every single time that you said I was being patronising and sarcastic, I was doing my best to hold everything together because actually what I wanted to do was absolutely lose it. And he went, oh, I'd so much rather you do that because I know what that is. I don't know what it is that, that, that pass, I was probably being passive aggressive, if I'm honest, if it was yeah. two morning. And, and actually, he, uh, if I, he was saying, I, I don't like that feeling. So he'd named it as patronizing and sarcastic, probably wasn't the right label to, to call it. Um, but actually now he's much more comfortable with me saying, do you know what? Go back to bed. It's three o'clock in the morning. I can't do this right now. I cannot do it. Um, it's become much more healthy. Well, that's amazing, isn't it? Like, uh, uh, and, and, and communication there, you know what I mean? Like understanding where you're each coming from. Yeah, definitely. So I think her, possibly her top threes, I don't, don't know. Reflective practice she talked about. Now I do lots of reflective practice in my mind, but she reminded me as, as, as I've heard many times that journaling can be really useful. Um, and, and I do it in a way. So have I told you my story about every New Year's Eve? Mm-mm. Oh, so every, again, it goes back to a, uh, an occupational therapist many years ago. Um, she said to me, I, I, I remember sitting down crying, I think about, what would become of him and she said to me every new year's eve i want you to write down your concerns write down the the, the usually one major what, what what will happen if this doesn't resolve and she said and i want you to open it the next new year's eve and i promise you it'll be something different and i want you to write that down and that evolved over time so every new year i write a letter to my children and we talk about having a book in you i think maybe one day I would like their permission to publish it. To, and every new year, I tell them these are the things that have been amazing this year. And these are the things that I think you've struggled with. And these are the things I've struggled with. Um, and here's to the next year. But but there was something that that I feel really drawn to journal. And, and she really did talk about how helpful that can be. Um, so that would be my New Year's resolution, I think. How lovely and and what a what a photo album of your life without the photos. Yeah, I and mostly I'm driven by the thought that when they are parents, that they can read back and and know that I got it, and that actually there were some years I didn't do so well, and there were some years I did better, and there were some years that I hated myself. 
And there were some years I was proud of myself. So really, I'm kind of doing it with the intention that when they're parents themselves, if they make that choice, that they will have a a Bible of, of this is what's real. This is this is the reality of parenthood, not the shiny photos on Facebook where everyone said it's easy. Yeah, the reality of parenthood. I like that. I think it would be a bestseller if they allow you to yeah. publish it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is our fourth um, bite-sized summary that we've done uh, with four amazing guests. And I think it's really interesting, you know, looking at their echoed messages. And there is a a continuity and a synergy among their messages. You know, if we look at them in terms of the kind of things that all of them have have illustrated in terms of finding your tribe or community, all of them have echoed that. Um, and when I say all of them, I'm talking about Dr. Marion, Heidi Mavere, Dr. Fisher, and Ellie Costello. Um, all of them except for Dr. Marion has talked about the value of play in that podcast. I have heard other podcasts where she has talked of value of play. Um, and again, Heidi, Naomi, and Ellie all talked about, you know, a system that needs um, a revamp in terms of the education system. And they also all talked about the knowledge is power as part of the change that needs to happen. Um, and again, Dr. Marianne wasn't speaking to that, but I think that's because um, – Hers is more of a general parenting podcast and what yeah. we discussed. Um, again, they all, all four of them, trust your gut and having the courage of your convictions. And I think that's just so validating, I think, as a parent who's had wobbles, um, you know, to hear that. And that self-care, and I, I love, you know, self-care is childcare. And they all um, reiterate that unless we take care of ourselves, we can't take care of our children. And, you know, it's, I think it's powerful when you hear those messages echoed by all of these experts. Um, and it all has resonated with me. And I think that's one of the beauties of actually doing the Send Parenting podcast is because you're always learning as a parent. I'm always learning. And all of my guests inspire, educate, and empower me. And I I keep growing and changing it too. So as much as I'm doing this for listeners, I'm also doing, I'm, I'm gaining so much myself from all of these um, experts. Yeah. And I can really, you can really hear that as you watch the podcast and you can hear your views changing. Um, there's one thing I took from... Um, I can't remember which person. It was one of those four that you spoke to, and it really, um, I loved it. You were talking, it was around play, and uh, you were talking about your daughter wanted to take um, her doll out, and she's feeling a bit more self-conscious. And I really relate to that because my daughter um, has a doll in her wardrobe. She'd hate me for saying this, and I won't show her this podcast. Um, But she has it in her wardrobe. So when anyone comes over, she puts it in the wardrobe. And your daughter was talking to you about it and it really made me laugh because my daughter said, oh, so-and-so is coming back later. And I said, oh, remember to, I haven't, I'm not going to have time to go in your room. So if you want to put your doll away, you need to do that before they get here. And she said, yeah, that's fine. And I thought about the contrast, contrast of you saying to your daughter, you want to take your doll, own it. And I love that. (laughs) And and she said, mommy, I'm owning it. And I thought, well, that is courage of both of you, courage of your convictions. And I just loved it. It made me feel, just made me feel really happy that she had owned it and that you had told her to own it. A great role model. Thank you. (laughs) Proud mommy moment. Thank you. (laughs) 
All right, Tamsin. Well, thank you very much. And I look forward to our next bite-sized summaries. And if anyone out there has any suggestions of who they would like to have a bite-sized summary of, please reach out on the sendparenting.com website or on Instagram, which is sendparentingpodcast, and leave your comments so that we can um, encapsulate some of the great uh, podcast speakers that we've had on the show into a short, easily digestible um a podcast, I guess you would still call it. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Send Parenting Tribe. I hope you enjoyed this last of our holiday season bite-sized summaries. If you've liked us, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get out to more listeners. Wishing you and your family a calm week ahead. <laughs>